I'm Jamelyn Steffen, and this is Want to Want It episode number 79, Self-Confrontation. Welcome to Want to Want It, a podcast for women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who are ready to ignite not only their sexual desire, but all of their desires to create a more fulfilling life and marriage. I'm Jamelyn Steffen. I'm a certified life coach, a wife, and a mother of seven children. I'm excited to share my personal journey to desire with you and teach you how to desire more as well. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. I have had two topics really on my mind lately, things I have thought a lot about and tried to make more sense of. And I'm sure that in the next few months, I may have more to say on the subject, and maybe I will have come to some new conclusions. But I have a problem because sometimes I want to wait until I've had more time before I share these kind of topics, but I'm hesitant to do that. And here's why. I've done this before where I've had something that's really top of mind and I'm watching for it or applying it and I think I really should do a podcast on this and then I tell myself, no, you should wait until you know even more about it. But then as I go along and I'm thinking about this topic, it starts to become more a part of me, more natural for me. And then it's like, I can't really remember what it felt like to be understanding this in the beginning and why it was so life-changing and suddenly I feel like I don't have anything to say about it. I don't know, it feels like I can't articulate it as well as I can when I'm kind of immersed in it in the beginning. So you're going to be getting my immersion podcast, not my expert podcast on these two topics. Feel free to take what you want, feel free to take what's good for you and throw out the rest. So in a few weeks, I'm going to release a podcast on validation because that is one of my pet topics right now. But today I want to talk about my other little obsession and that is self-confrontation. And when I say obsession, I don't mean that I'm always doing it or that I'm fantastic at this all the time. I just mean that I'm thinking about self-confrontation a lot. So what does it mean to self-confront? Self-confrontation is when you look within yourself and examine your own attitudes and behaviors to see where you have shortcomings so that you can make needed changes. It's about taking an honest look at yourself and finding your own flaws so you can correct them. And the last part of this is so key, so you can correct them. Some people are actually really good at seeing their flaws, but not correcting them. And that's not self-confrontation. They may be willing to admit that what they do is wrong or hurtful, but if they make no effort to change their behavior, they haven't really self-confronted. Self-confrontation isn't just seeing your shortcomings or flaws or outright bad behaviors. It's also about holding yourself accountable to do something about it. It's about requiring yourself to make changes. It's about saying, I see this in me and I won't accept it as good behavior anymore. I'm actually going to require more of myself. Now that may take time and I may fall back into old patterns, but my goal is every day better so that one day I will not behave this way. And I will not excuse myself if I fall back. I'm not going to make excuses for myself. I will apologize. I will repent. I will take responsibility for myself. I will not go blind to myself anymore in regards to this. Okay, so to self-confront means that you're first willing to look at yourself with honest eyes to see what you may have been unwilling to look at in yourself. It's being willing to take the criticism and hold it up and really examine the comment on your character or your actions, or your personality, and ask yourself, are they right about me? 
Or better yet, ask yourself, how are they right about me? This is the first thing you have to do to self-confront. It's looking at who you really are. And then second, it's about being willing to change that part of you so that you're a better person to be in relationship with any relationship. Now, before I go on, let me tell you what self-confrontation is not. It's not about beating yourself up, calling yourself names, telling yourself and others what a terrible person you are, or getting into so much self-pity and self-loathing that by the end of it, you're now a victim to your own cruelty. This is not self-confrontation. If you beat yourself up about you, you're actually less likely to make any lasting changes because you can't hate yourself into being a better person. Self-confrontation actually is a very loving thing to do for yourself. If you think about a good marriage or just any good relationship in general, they have two key elements in them, love and honesty. Not brutal honesty or honesty that's meant to harm, but an honesty that says, I love you and I love me. So I'm not gonna pretend here or be dishonest. So if love and honesty are key to interpersonal relationships, So it is in your relationship with yourself. Self-confrontation ideally comes from self-love, which desires to see honestly and be honest. So self-confrontation should not be confused with self-deprecation. It isn't about disparaging yourself or devaluing yourself. And it's really important to understand this distinction. So I can't tell you how many mothers say to me they are the worst mother. And they tell me how they fail their kids all the time and how they're so mean to them and how they haven't taught them well enough and on and on and on. And they tell themselves this story every day. And it's super mean and majorly discouraging. How likely do you think these mothers are to show up confidently as mothers when they tell themselves constantly what terrible mothers they are? And this story just kind of starts to become a woe is me type story that they tell. And because they're so sad about it, if their kids come to them or their husband and point out some way that maybe they could do better, these women inevitably come back with, I know I'm such a bad mother. I know I just keep failing everyone. And their kids often end up saying, oh, that's not true, mom. You're great. We love you. And then she never actually has to confront herself and take an honest look at herself. So by going into self-deprecation, it actually keeps us from changing because self-loathing is a terrible motivator for lasting change. And it also keeps us from changing because when we are in a pity party all the time, we can't handle looking at ourselves honestly. And so we never can make changes. Now, take that same mother, the one who thinks she's a terrible mother, and ask her to genuinely self-confront. Or maybe one day she's willing to drop the pity party for a moment and really look at herself. So maybe she says, I feel like I failed my kids. If she stops herself from going down the rabbit hole of blaming herself, She can step into responsibility instead because that's what self-confrontation is. It's not about placing blame on yourself. It's about taking responsibility for yourself. So as soon as she thinks, I failed my kids, she can stop and take a look inside. How do I feel like I failed them? What behaviors have I allowed myself to get away with that have negatively impacted my kids? And then with that information, she can say, okay, I see what I've done and I can see that I've justified it but I won't justify it anymore. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to take responsibility for all of it. And I'm going to start to behave differently. This is self-confrontation. And remember, it's not about blaming. It's about taking responsibility. It's about owning it all. Here's an example from my life that I apologize if I've shared on here before, but 
Before I had a word for self-confrontation, I had experiences with it, as you all probably have. But here's one that goes with the example that I shared before. I've actually always considered myself a pretty nice person. I didn't lose my temper very often. I mean, I got upset for sure, but I wasn't someone who lost her mind on a daily basis. But I can admit that if push came to shove, sometimes I would lose my ever-living mind and then I was yelling at everybody. And I hated it. I always felt so bad about it. So for example, we would be cleaning the house because we had company coming for the weekend and I, for some reason, felt this need to make our house look like two very tidy adults lived there instead of the nine not-so-tidy people who actually lived there. And we'd be working along and I'd be feeling the pressure and people are coming out to get this cleaned up. But the kids were kind of good. They're towing the line and all's well, but then they wouldn't do something right or how I wanted it or as fast as I wanted it. And my frustration and panic would kind of grow a little bit. And I'd just be like, okay, calm down. Like everything's fine. And here we just keep going. Then something else would happen. And I have to tell myself again, like hold it together. And then suddenly the straw that broke the camel's back. I'd be in the middle of correcting my child or telling them how to do the, their chores right. And before I knew it, I would go from just like talking to them to yelling at them all. It was like this massive explosion. And I honestly, I feel so sorry for my kids. They must have walked on eggshells anytime they knew we were having anyone over. I mean, I think they loved the company, but I wonder how often they thought this isn't worth it. <laughs> my poor kids. Anyways, I'm sorry, my kids, if you're listening to this. Anyway, one day after one of my explosions that my poor husband had to endure, I got in my car to go on a drive. And as I was driving, it was like this curtain was pulled back in my mind's eye and a book opened in front of my face that said, you have a bad temper. And even though I was completely in shock about that, I mean, I knew people with bad tempers and it wasn't me. I didn't freak out every day or even every week. But at the same time, I knew it was true. I just knew it to my very core. For the first time, I saw myself as I actually was. There was no hiding, no turning a blind eye, no more making excuses or excusing myself because I wasn't as bad as other people. It was there, right in front of me. And I cried. It was really hard to see myself that way, but honestly, it was only hard for an instant. I actually felt so... I can't even think of the right word... I felt more free almost, more aware. I, I don't know. All I can say is that it wasn't actually a terrible feeling. It was a knowing that felt right. I believe that it was through the spirit that I was given that insight and that it allowed me in that moment to self-confront and see myself as I really was. Now, my next question was, okay, what do I do now? Because I couldn't deny what I knew about myself and I knew there were no excuses to be made and that I had to complete that self-confrontation formula. I had seen it and now I had to do something about it. In that moment, I took full responsibility for my temper. I wasn't even tempted to say like, well, if they would just do as they were told or he, he pushed me over the edge. I just owned it and would not allow myself to make one excuse for it. So as I thought, okay, what do I do now? I knew the first thing I had to do as I drove along was to pray for help to be able to overcome this bad habit I developed. Then I went home and I took every one of my children aside individually and my husband and apologized to them for my bad temper. And my kids were so sweet, like, oh, you haven't been that bad, mom. Or, like, we totally understand why you lost your temper. You're not perfect. It's okay. But I was just so 
self-aware and so sure of what I knew about myself that I just had to say to them, like, I appreciate your grace, but it was never acceptable behavior and I'm sorry. So do you see how I didn't let myself get all distracted by self-pity, which was such a blessing at the time because self-pity was a go-to for me, but I didn't let myself get caught up in it because self-pity and victim mentality are distractions to self-confrontation, and I wasn't going to do that. I saw myself so clearly that day, and I couldn't unknow what I knew. I had to face it, own it, and change it. If you are a person of faith, you've probably heard of repentance. Now, repentance is the idea that you are turning back to God, that you've done something that has separated you from him, turned yourself from him. And when you are saying sorry for that and make changes, you are repenting. You are coming back to God. Repentance is an act of self-confrontation. It is a willingness to see yourself honestly. Like what I did was not right and I know it. And I'm not going to make excuses for it. I'm going to take responsibility for it. I'm going to confess to God. I'm going to ask his forgiveness. And I'm going to do everything I can to not do this again. And God's going to help me with that. I know that in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we are encouraged to repent daily. We are encouraged to pray and ask God to reveal to us what we need to repent of. Ask him to reveal to us what part of our nature or behavior we don't see properly that needs to be changed. It's like the rich young ruler who came to Christ and asked, what lack I yet? He was asking Christ to show him what he couldn't see himself. So if you're a person who believes in the divine and believes that God can speak to you, ask him to help you see yourself more clearly so you can make the needed changes in your life. I can promise you he will show you. He shows me all the time. And even though I used to think this was a terrifying thing, I actually really love it. I can't, again, I can't totally explain why, but I love to see myself as I am so I know what to do next. I don't know. When God reveals to me through his spirit how I need to do better, it never feels shaming or mean. It feels really kind of factual and even a little hopeful. I I don't know. It's hard to explain. But if you want help self-confronting, God is good at that. So why do you want to consider self-confronting more? Why would we even want to do this? I think there are two main reasons. One, for your personal progression, and two, for the progression of your relationships. I think it's obvious why self-confrontation is key to personal progression or personal growth. We can't progress past what we can't see. We can't change what we're blind to. But we're super good at choosing to stay blind to a lot of things because we don't want to do the work to change, and we're often too prideful. We are comfortable believing that we don't need to change, but everybody else does. But one key element to progressing is maturing. We have to grow up to grow up. We have to be more mature to progress beyond where we are. But that often means putting off childish things, as the scriptures say. Now, I know that many of you have put the Barbie dolls away and the Tinker Toys and the mismatched clothes, and you've probably stopped lying about brushing your teeth. But so many of us cling on to immature behaviors. We pout. We have tantrums. We gossip. We try to control everyone around us. We people please. We try to do everything perfectly so that we can appear perfect. These are not the behaviors of an emotional adult. And I get it. We aren't going to probably ever be perfectly grown up in our behavior. But true progression is growing out of those ways of being into stronger, kinder, more mature ways of being. So that's the first reason I suggest getting more comfortable and competent at self-confrontation. It will help you progress leaps and bounds beyond where you are right now. The other reason you want to self-confront is for your relationships. 
I was recently listening to Jennifer Finlayson Fife, who you all know that I totally adore. And she was asked a question, and I can't remember the exact wording, but it was something along the lines of advice that she would give to newly married couples or even to couples who've been married for a long time. And the first thing she said was, be willing to self-confront. And I totally get why she said that. If you had two people in a marriage who were willing to look within themselves and to see themselves honestly, to see where they were falling short or behaving badly, and were willing to take full responsibility for their behavior and then make the needed changes to stop that behavior, that marriage would be golden. It would be loving and honest. It wouldn't get stuck in blame or manipulation or trying to control the other person because their focus would always be on themselves. Like, how have I contributed to this? What is my role in this? What do I need to do to show up better now that I know what I know? So, I mean, that would be the ideal for any marriage or really for any relationship, parent, child, business partners, friends, whoever. But we can't make our business partner or our marriage partner self-confront. We can only control ourselves. But I have seen so much evidence in my own life and in the lives of my clients to be able to confidently say that if you will self-confront, it has the power to change a relationship for the better, even if the other person won't. As you require yourself to grow up and own your behavior and make the needed changes, it will create a positive pressure in your relationship that will cause the whole thing to mature. Now, your spouse may hate it because it's going to be uncomfortable because as you change, you're going to actually stop participating in some of the immature cycles of your marriage. And that's not going to feel good to your spouse at first, but as you hold to your better behavior, it will eventually put pressure on your spouse to do the same. Now, I have had people ask me if it always works. They want to know if they change, is it actually going to save their marriage? And truthfully, it doesn't always work. And the only reason why is because some spouses refuse to grow up and change. And they like the false sense of control that the immature cycle in your marriage gives to them. And so if they can't stand your changes, they may leave or in the end, you may leave. But if you've done the self-confronting work and grown yourself up, you will be in a much better place going out into the world as a single person. So of course you can't control the other person by doing your own self-confronting work, but the majority of the time it will change your marriage for the better. As my clients do work on themselves, they often report back that their spouse is changing suddenly as well. When you self-confront, it actually makes it safer for the other person to do the same. And as you progress personally, it pushes them to progress as well. So it's kind of a win-win. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about is how to self-confront. I promise that most of you have done this at least a little bit in your life. But if you genuinely don't know where to start, here's what I advise. Ask yourself what God sees, what they see, and what you see. So here's what I mean. I already talked about going to God and asking him to reveal to you what you aren't seeing in yourself, asking him what you still lack. If you are sincere in your request, he will show it to you when the time is right. The other thing you can do is to find out what they see in you. And by they, I mean the people around you. Ask your spouse what they see that they think maybe you don't see about yourself or don't want to see. Ask your kids, ask your friends, ask your mother or one of your siblings, ask your boss or your business partner. And again, be sincere. They may worry that they're going to get into trouble with you for being honest. You need to reassure them that you want to know. Now, I understand, as you do... <laughs> that they don't necessarily see you clearly either, and that they may be immature and unkind in their response. You don't have to take all that feedback as fact, but I do want you to have the courage to take their feedback and look at it with curiosity and honesty. 
what part of what they shared with you is on the mark? Maybe all of it is, but if not, is there something they've shared that is true? This can be uncomfortable, but this is the way to self-confront. Ask what they see. Find out what they see. And lastly, get really brave and honest and ask yourself what you see in yourself. Take some time when you're alone driving or doing dishes or weeding your garden. Resist the temptation in that moment to distract yourself from the discomfort of the question and ask, what do I see in myself that I'm unwilling to address? A really good time to do this is when you feel like things in your life aren't going great. Maybe you had an argument with your spouse or your child just told you off or you're unhappy about your weight, whatever it is. If there's something that feels not right, it can be a good time to look within and ask, how am I the problem here? What truth is there to what they are saying to me? What am I blaming on other people? Are those the same things I'm doing? Is it possible it's my fault? Okay, so what do you see? What do you see that you aren't letting yourself really see? I also find a great way to see myself better is when I have a negative story about someone else. They're so selfish, they're so mean, or something kind of along those lines. Then I require myself to turn it back onto me. How am I being selfish? How am I being mean? And I require myself to answer. This is another way to self-confront. Turn your criticism of others onto yourself and find the truth there. I understand that self-confrontation is not for the faint of heart. It takes courage, at least until you get good at it. At least that's what I'm telling myself. Because for me, the more I do it, the better I feel, even though I don't always love what I see. I think the biggest reason it feels so good to me, so free, is because it takes me out of blaming others and feeling like I'm a victim to them. It takes me from a feeling like I have no control over my feelings and my life to having all the control. So I have to believe that the more I do this, the better and better I will feel and the less courageous it's going to feel to do it. I think it will start to be more of my heart's desire. It already actually is. I feel more teachable, more humble when I self-confront. And I also feel less tethered to what isn't my responsibility. That is the other byproduct of self-confrontation that I had never anticipated. I'm getting way better at saying, that's not my stuff, that's their stuff. That's not my thing to manage. And that feels amazing. And also, the more I self-confront, the more I expect it of other people. Now again, I can't make them self-confront, but I'm way more likely to say, hey, like I know that this is my part and that I need to make some changes, but we both know that this is your part. And it's not meant to be contentious or bossy, and it's not that it's always met with a lot of happiness, but it keeps me honestly self-confronting, and it keeps me being honest in my relationships. Like I talked about in the beginning, the best relationships have love and honesty. As I self-confront, it pressures me to be more honest with myself and more honest with others, and I think that is so good. So I don't know, did I sell you on trying more self-confrontation in your life? I hope so. I hope it helped. If you're like me, when I started diving deeper into self-confrontation, I wish that everyone, especially my husband, would take the dive with me. You know, it's one of those things when you listen and you think, so-and-so could really be better at this. But that's probably not the best way to go about things in life. It's better to always see how it can help you first and then just be an example of living it. That being said, there are people out there who love this kind of stuff and want to learn more. So share this episode with them if you can think of someone that you think they actually would really love this then please share it. I hope you have a fantastic week. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you hear on the podcast and you'd like to learn more, feel free to head over to my website, jamelinstephancoaching.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at jamelinstephancoaching.com.